0: We don't know exactly the relationship that Paul and Timothy had, but I, in reading through these two letters sent his way, gather that it must have been sort of a father-son relationship. In fact, he begins these letters by calling Timothy, my beloved child. There was a connection that he felt with this young servant in Christ. Timothy had things going on in him, like we all do. Lois and Eunice, his grandmother and his mother, had done their best to set him on a proper path. He was fully steeped in what it meant to be Christian. Paul says that. In fact, all that Timothy has to do is to remember the good upbringing that he had. Some of you may be saying to yourself, I wish my son or my daughter would remember their good upbringing. You and I, you and I have to trust the great good that God is doing at all times to bring us back into his fold. Timothy is instructed here by Paul. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. And is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. I don't know if Paul was aware of his tone. But I bet you anything that Timothy was. Because at this point... Paul is almost offering a prescriptive cure for what is wrong with Timothy. Telling him that he should read the Bible because he ought to read the Bible. It'll do you good. You and I know that this is the case, don't we? In fact, we look at this scripture and we say how, how true how true it is. In fact, this is Scripture coming on Scripture. But we know that God is in the midst of our reading of the Bible. And Paul was trying to give this in a very firm and sure way to Timothy. I can remember when our children were young that we went to the doctor's office with them when they were sick. And the doctor told us, this medicine doesn't taste as bad. Do you know what I'm talking about? That pink bottle of medicine? <laughs> it used to be really bad, the doctor said. It used to be really bad. But, but now they have improved the taste greatly. Well, he could have saved his words. <laughs> Because it didn't translate from the spoon into the mouth of our girls. It was not something that they liked at all. And it was such a trying thing. I can remember, even tasting it myself, proceeded with the words, It's not so bad. You remember what the doctor said i'll taste it, I'll show you, and I tasted it, and it tasted as bad as they thought that it did t- t- <laughs> t- oh what a what a remembrance of how we communicate about the scripture I remember reading a reflection by a nineteenth century preacher who said that he was standing out in the meadow and looking at a beech tree as he collected his thoughts for his sermon and he said he just was so enamored with the glory of the tree. He said the trunk was so sturdy and and there were so many branches it was almost like artwork to him as he stood there and looked and it was covered with, with leaves and it was just such a majestic thing and as he was looking at it and just thinking about its glory up goes a squirrel on the side of the tree. And he said that he just watched the squirrel. He had been admiring the tree, but he got distracted and he thought, there's a squirrel in my tree. And then the squirrel began to jump from branch to branch and cover it like it was a jungle gym. It was just the most glorious thing as he began to come to the realization That the squirrel's encounter with the tree was far better than his analysis of the tree. He was looking at it so objectively. And the squirrel was experiencing the life of the tree. He went on to say, this is so incredibly the way that we are called to experience scripture. And the glory of God revealed through the Bible. I tell you that in our pantry at home, there is a little jar there that sits calling to me every time I open the door. It has written on the side of it, honey. It is just wonderful stuff. (laughs) I love honey. I never get tired of honey. Honey on biscuits. Honey on toasts. It is the most wonderful, wonderful thing. My most favorite thing to put honey on is cornbread. Have you tried that? Oh, it is like heaven itself. It is a dessert of all desserts. It is just wonderful. Honey is a marvelous thing. It should interest you. That as Old Testament writers reflected on Torah, on the writings of holy law, this is the way that they described their remembrance of the scripture. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. That's Psalm 19. Let's turn over a few chapters here. And see that this theme continues. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Do you remember the story of Ezekiel? And how, in his vision, he felt an arm extending a hand to him, and in the hand was a scroll. Do you remember the instructions that came? Eat the scroll. Listen to these words. He said to me, O mortal, eat what is offered to you. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. He said to me, Mortal, eat this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it. And in my mouth, it was as sweet as honey. How is it that you receive scripture? You remember that John Wesley called himself a man of one book. Now some people get that all wrong. As if he was directing attention to himself. No, he didn't call himself only a man of one book. In his holy club there at the University of Oxford. He said all of those that were in the holy club. This group that finally became called Methodists. They were all people of one book. And he wanted all Methodists to be people of one book. But you know that John Wesley was probably the most well-read man in all of England. He read thousands of volumes over the course of his lifetime of things both Sacred and secular. But he over and over again would say, I am a man of one book. And why was that? Because he used the Bible as the anchor in his life to orient himself to what the meaning of everything else that he read was. Wesley wrote in his preface, his preface to the explanatory notes upon the Old Testament, he wrote these words of encouragement to us to read the Bible. He said, set apart a little time, if you can, every morning and every evening for that purpose. At each time, if you have leisure to read a chapter out of the Old and one out of the New Testament. If you cannot do this, take a single chapter or, or even a part of one. He was cutting us a lot of slack, friends. He was saying, make this easy on yourself. Just get into the Bible. He said, read with a single eye, and that is to know the whole will of God. Have a constant eye. Toward the analogies of faith. And particularly your life. Your life. And the connection that is there. Serious and earnest prayer. Should always and constantly. Be used to accompany your reading. Of the Holy Word. John Wesley was in favor of reading the Bible, but not exclusively. He surrounded himself with comparative analysis of the Scripture by other persons, concordances, dictionaries. He read everything he could get his hands on in order that he might understand the Scripture and his own life in a better way, he would say, I want to know the way to heaven. Oh, give me that book. But in taking that book, he didn't act as if he was the only one that knew what was in it. Have you ever met someone who carried around their 43 pound version of the Bible and they proceeded to beat everybody else over the head with what it meant? John Wesley was constantly engaging other people around him. This conferencing that went on in building an understanding with the loving connection with other Christians, building an understanding of what God was speaking to us through Scripture. Now, he had his favorite passages, and he preached on them over and over again. 1 Corinthians 13, he wore that out. The Sermon on the Mount, he couldn't get enough of it. But you know what his favorite was? The first epistle of John. If you haven't read that lately, go home and read it this afternoon. Such a loving expression of God's heart. You and I look at the scripture too nonchalantly. You and I should be like squirrels running through the branches of this holy tree. I know it's happening with some of you. In fact, just this past week, I was in the hospital going to visit someone. And when I got up to the nurse's desk, one of the nurses there had her Bible open. I thought, how does a nurse get away with that? She not only had her Bible open, but she had put another Bible up on the counter at my level. So that if I wanted to, I could train my eyes on the scripture as well. I smiled when I saw it, and she kept a reading. I was in hospice just two days ago, and one of the volunteers there had not gotten the memo about what she could and what she couldn't do, because right there in front of her, you know what it was. It was an open Bible that she had. She wasn't on the job. Well, she was more on the job than you and I are on the job. I said, that's a pretty good book, isn't it? And she smiled. She said, I'm getting my Sunday school lesson ready. Do you live with the Bible? Do you let it inform who you are? I was shopping at Christmas and was in the Christian bookstore here in town. The lady in line in front of me had found a Bible. I knew it wasn't for her. When she got to the counter, she said, I've purchased I want to purchase this for my daughter. It was covered with all kind of mod colors, this Bible was. And the lady behind the counter took it and was about to ring it up and the lady put her finger up and she said, but she said, I want you to emboss this Bible with my daughter's name. Now, I know from just looking at the lady behind the counter that she was trying to process what she was going to say and that was that she wouldn't be able to embossed this type of Bible you know you emboss a brown leather Bible or a black leather Bible but this was some odd geometric design on the front of this Bible And she was just about to tell the lady that it couldn't be done. And the lady was not going to take no for an answer. She had already scoped it out. She pointed her finger down at that Bible. She said, there's a little space right there that I think will work fine. Don't you? And the lady said, I think we can make it happen. Now, do you know that... That mother's concern was not that that child was going to lose that Bible. You know that, don't you? It had nothing to do with it. What was driving that request was that mother's prayer in her heart. That the child that received that Bible at Christmas would make it her own. This is what Paul was saying to Timothy. He said, all scripture is inspired by God. Timothy, this Bible has your name on it. How about you? I've determined this holy word tastes an awful lot like honey. Let's enjoy it together.